I'm Elena Lansberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move, the podcast that kicks old stereotypes to the curb. Come meet these creative, outrageous, authentic, adventurous, irreverent, and powerful disruptors and influencers. Grandmothers, from the living room to the courtroom, making powerful contributions in every walk of life. We know them most intimately as loving caregivers, the older women in our lives with a thousand stories about their grandchildren and pictures in their purses. In this podcast, you'll come to know even more about our grandmothers. They are galvanized, determined, and are guaranteed to get you thinking. What drives them? What are they up to? What is the potential of grandmother power, and how is it changing the world? Grandmothers are on the move. You don't want to be left behind. Hi, it's Eleva. Welcome back to Grandmothers on the Move. And today I have two women with me, Erica Baird and Karen Wagner. Erica is a securities lawyer and litigator. And before retiring in 2013, Erica was a partner and the deputy general counsel of PricewaterhouseCoopers, where she worked for 30 years. At PricewaterhouseCoopers, she was involved in some of the most high-profile financial reporting issues and internal corporate investigations of the day, both in the United States and globally. Karen was a partner at Davis Polk and Wardwell, a global law firm based in New York City, and she was its first woman litigation partner. Karen is on the board of Youth Represent, a nonprofit dedicated to improving the lives and future of young people affected by the criminal justice system. And wonderfully, she has also become a pilot. Together, Karen and Erica launched the website Luster to create a platform to change attitudes about age and retirement and creating a new image of modern retired women and what retirement looks like for them. Karen and Erica were part of the boomer generation that changed the image and expectations of women who wanted to work and build successful careers. Having changed what the workforce looks like, They now want to use the power of boomer women to change what retirement looks like and show the world that retired women continue to be the same vibrant, engaged, contributing people they always were. Luster is a platform for challenging stereotypes, creating a new image of modern retired women, and cutting-edge thinking about age and post-career opportunities. Erica and Karen, welcome to Grandmothers on the Move. It's terrific to have you with us today. Thank you very much. So let's start at the beginning. What happened that inspired the two of you to start Lester? We retired and we started noticing that people were looking at us differently. We thought we were the same people we were the day before, but they didn't think so. And we started thinking about what was happening, what was going on that made people seemingly lose interest in us or not see us at all, actually. And we started looking around in a way that we had not before at the images of women in the media, in movies, in advertising. And we noticed that women who were over the age of about 40 were portrayed as never doing anything and looking pretty dowdy and usually looking a little bit frail, too. And we thought, this is ridiculous. What is going on here? So we decided we had to fight that. It was a question of not how, initially, not how we thought of ourselves, but how other people started seeing us. And we started to inadvertently almost 
internalize their reactions to us as retired people. And that's what started getting us pretty annoyed. I remember my mom telling me when she retired, she was a journalist in the national press in Canada. And I remember her telling me that she couldn't believe it. She was as vigorous and as engaged as ever on her retirement, but that she would go into stores. She had become invisible. Overnight. Yep. Just overnight. And she was quite incredulous because she was certainly not used to it. We were really shocked. We just couldn't understand what was going on. And that people suddenly started treating us as if we were old and probably, you know, had one foot in the grave. And had no value. I mean, that we were valuable when we had jobs. And now that we were retired, we did not have value. And I think part of it was our age. And part of it was the fact that we were women, because we do think that older women have a lot in common with older men, but we're different. We have a lot of other issues that they don't have. How much do you think your reaction to it was having been in pretty powerful positions, both of you? You were working in professions that were historically male-dominated, and you had clearly risen to the top of your profession. Did that inform how shocking it was or how indignant you felt at suddenly being on the margins? I think it certainly did. And I think it did not only for us, but for a lot of the women who entered the workforce when we did. We had to fight pretty hard to enter our professions, and we had to fight pretty hard to successful. And we felt very much that we had achieved a great deal and that we had created a platform, if you will, for the next achievement, whatever that might be. And we were extremely astonished to discover that the platform we thought we were standing on was apparently also invisible, that somehow if we weren't currently working, there was no value left. And that all of our experience and all of the time we had spent becoming who we are was irrelevant. And we had to either go sit in a rocking chair somewhere or reinvent ourselves as something other than who we were. So yes, I completely agree with you. It was particularly astonishing for us. And I, but I think that's also because to some extent, I totally agree with Karen that it was shocking, really. But I think for women that dropped out earlier in the workforce had similar kinds of issues, but earlier. So when they dropped out and became mommies, let's say, then they had to figure out what their value proposition was separate and apart from their family. And then most of them had done that before. So it was a function of two things. We had obviously worked longer and we thought we were pretty successful. We were feeling pretty good about where we were. And then all of a sudden you have everything and then you have nothing. But I think it happens to everybody that gets older just as a function of age. And it's interesting that you use the metaphor of a platform because you actually created a visible a dynamic platform by creating luster. So tell me about that. How did you decide that it should be a website rather than a blog? And what was the impetus to create it? Well, as we mentioned before, one of the things that really struck us early on in the retirement process was the images of women that we found everywhere in the media. So we concluded pretty early on that one of the problems was, in fact, images. So one of the reasons we decided on something in media was that we wanted to use pictures to show people what we really look like. Vibrant. Right. We actually look like we can walk and chew gum at the same time, and we wanted to show people that. The process by which we decided a website as opposed to a blog was an evolution. We really had no idea what either one of them was. And we enlisted our children. We both have children, and they know much more than we do about social media, and they explained to us some of these things, and then we hired people to help us. And we realized the website was the best way, we thought, to convey the images we wanted to convey to 
counter the ones that we saw in the media and took the ones that we didn't see. There were no images of people like us actually doing something, engaging in some purposeful activity and looking good while you did it. And we are writers. We were legal writers, which is extremely different from social media writing. But we mm -hmm. in capital letters. Exactly. <laughs> right. So we used all of these skills, the ones we had and the ones we didn't have, and we developed this website and we're turning it into what we think is an online magazine. The second part of your question of a blog and what we're trying to accomplish, I think, as Karen said, we're trying to create something that represents who we think older women today really are. Because it's come to us, and ageism is really almost something that's not intentional in many ways, not in all ways, but in some ways. So the fact that people don't see us as we are may not be because they don't want to, it's just they don't get it. So if you looked at the two ladies with the purple hair getting naked on a beach and jumping into the ocean. Which is an ad for a drugstore. Which, which is intended to market to people like us. That may be some people, but it's not who we are. And it dawned on us that they just don't get it. And maybe we need to do a better job explaining it. And do you feel like you're having an impact? What has the response been? It's been pretty good. We're, we have been up and running for not that long, and we have well over 10, 12,000 followers. And we've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people in our demographic, including, by the way, some men, who are very happy to see, that, Finally. number one, yes, that we are articulating in writing some of the fears everybody faces when they retire, especially if it is not completely what you want to do. And they're really happy to see that we are presenting an alternative image of what can happen in retirement. We learned after we retired, we never really thought about retirement. We learned after we retired that we had about a 30-year runway ahead of us. And so you can't really sit in a rocking chair or play golf for 30 years. So other people were discovering that too. And people, I think, are very happy that we're presenting alternative ideas and also just expressing the concerns that they have, but they feel embarrassed to talk about. The only thing I'd add to that is community. I think one thing that happens to everybody that retires is you work unless you're a sole practitioner, but even there, you're working with a community of people and you have, I want to say automatic friends, but automatic people and automatic conversations in your life. And then you're removed from that and you don't. And all the things and all the feelings that happen when you retire, you feel you're the only one that is having them. You're very isolated, feel alone. And I think at least for people like us or that our message resonates with, they're happy to see that they're not alone, that they're there is a community of women out there that are going through the same thing, feeling the same way, and are optimistic about how to get through it. Right. And I was just remembering where I actually heard about Luster. I was reading online, actually, and it was about Nancy Pelosi and this resurgence of an understanding about the power of older women who are confident and who don't take any crap and who are engaged in different ways of affecting change and taking the podium, taking the mic, and perhaps don't have some of the same worries about how people are going to perceive them or what it will mean if they're perceived as strident or powerful, frankly. And then it mentioned luster. And I wonder if you have also experienced or if you see something similar. Well, Nancy Pelosi has been a great help to us. Let's 
say that for sure. (laughs) And in a very negative and unintended way, so has our president, because he's made things so peculiar for women in this country that women's power has increased, I think. And younger women in particular, they are looking up to older women to get some feel for how we navigated when we were young, when the situation was different, but we were new. We were very new to the workforce and nobody knew quite what to do with us. We had to figure out for ourselves how to make a place for ourselves and how to be valued and how to be treated. And unfortunately, of course, they have to do the same thing now to some extent. All problems were not solved by us, unfortunately. And so I think they have been all along pretty interested in what we're doing. But the revival, I would say, of Nancy Pelosi has been a statement in support of what we are doing and has been helpful. It's kind of reaffirmed that the wisdom that goes with experience as a value, right? Mm -hmm. And so no different than grandmothers or older women in general, the fact that you have been there, done that, or that you've learned from your mistakes, or you've just had experiences that are similar to those that people today are having, has to have value. Right. The young women have all kinds of things, brains and skills and whatever, but they don't have experience and they won't have it until they get it. And we've got it. So now they want to hear about it. I think it's a really powerful and important shift because North American culture, at least, has been so focused on youth for so long. It feels like an extraordinarily important shift to have an intergenerational woman power. I wonder how you're thinking about younger women. Is that something that you have conversations about? A lot. Karen and I have always been advocates and believers in the value of true diversity. And so we are great believers in a society which includes generously includes people of all sorts. And that not only includes race and gender and national origin and all those things, but also age. So that, you know, one of the things we're talking to our kids about who consult with us regularly, and I'm sure your listeners would agree that their kids often consult with them too much, um, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but they value our opinions. And I think that they are trying to figure out also, you know, where's a place for us in the workforce, for example, and how do we help them get better and more efficient and transfer what we know? We don't want their jobs. I don't want to work like that again. I don't want what they're doing. I don't want to displace them. The future needs to be not in the hands of 70, however old some of these people, and include Nancy Pelosi in that. I mean, we need to start transferring to a younger generation, and we can help them do that. But we need to be around to be able to help. And I would say both of us were very focused when we were working. Once we achieved some kind of success, we were very focused on making sure that women who were following us were enabled and empowered. And we both worked very hard to mentor younger women and create situations. Make them partners. Yes, make yeah. them partners, create situations where they would be successful. So we are familiar with doing that, and we want to do that as much as we possibly can now, because obviously the future is... The future. We want these women. To, we want these women to take over. Both of us have daughters. We want them to rule the world. So that's our plan. I like your plan. I endorsed your plan. 
I can't help but ask, is there anything that's been entirely unexpected that you didn't anticipate when you started Luster? Well, one thing we did not anticipate, I would say for sure, that we have become entrepreneurs and we are making a business out of this. And for two lawyers from large institutions, that's pretty funny, I think. So we're enjoying that. And one other thing that's been really fabulous is that we're meeting all kinds of people, women in particular, from all kinds of backgrounds who we wouldn't have met, I think, had we continued in our legal practice. So there's a lot of really new community. New community. They're great. We both loved our jobs. We were sorry to leave them. But now that we've left them, we're finding there's quite a huge world out there that's quite a lot of fun. I think the other surprise to go the other way is we didn't realize how tethered to our work our lives were. So we didn't realize how much our identity was caught up in our work or the structure of our lives, how dependent we were on going to the office at eight, coming home at eight. There was a rhythm to it. And so that was a surprise to us, but we are pleasantly surprised how we've been able to fill those needs in other ways that are, I have to say, equally satisfied. So we've created new structures, we've created new communities, people to talk to, we've created new identities in a way. can't say that I yet think of myself as an entrepreneur, but I'll get there, you know. <laughs> so that part is fun to figure out who you are now. Yeah, and I think that that's part of what's so interesting in hearing all of this is that for a lot of people, retirement has been seen as a goal, less so now because a lot of people have to work much longer to make ends meet. So I certainly grew up in a generation where you were supposed to be putting stuff aside for retirement and envisaging a life after work, twilight years, as opposed to a whole new venture. I hear that that's not quite what you thought you were doing or what was going to happen. It's not what we thought we were doing, but what we really did not realize are the runway. 30 years. Now, when retirement was sort of invented in this country, in any event, people, mostly men, would retire at 62, and Social Security would start at 62, and they would die at 65. So that was fine. You had three years of fun. And then you would die. Right. Now you retire at 62 and you aren't going to die till you're 102. And that fact alone puts so much stress on old notions of retirement that everything has to change. And then the thing which you alluded to is for women, it's never been like that. In the numbers that we are now, there haven't been so many women who had careers for 40 years. And we are not ready to stop. We have too much energy and we have too much to do. So we're just not going to stop. Even if we have to employ ourselves. (laughs) That's excellent. Sometimes you have to wait for really excellent bosses until you're your own. <laughs> I mean, you go through this period of it's almost like grief. I suppose that's true of any major change in life when you've lost something that you valued. But it is almost like grieving for something in the past. And then at least for us, we're not very backward looking people. Our jobs wouldn't tolerate it, but it's not who we are. And so the notion that we would sit on titles or job descriptions or whatever that we had in the past just didn't fit us. It was awkward. It felt yucky. And so I think that what we realized is thinking about it in a futuristic kind of way of what do we want to look like? What's the picture of what it looks like? We knew what a picture was to go to work. We knew you got dressed in the morning, you put on your your armor, and you went out and did what you did in the world. But what was this picture going to look like? And painting that picture and being able to create it has been really interesting. There are barriers and challenges to doing what you think you want to do. 
that have to do with sexism and ageism and things like that, but we're bound and determined to get rid of those. So for people like you, they won't be there anymore, you know, if we have our way. Right. <laughs> right. What do you both have in mind when you talk about Luster as a platform for providing cutting edge thinking? What does that mean to you? I think two things. One is in looking at all the retirement material that's out there, and there's a lot, as we all know, there's very little that talks about the identity issue. We actually looked back and we started writing about this a couple of years ago, and now there's more. But at the time, this notion of who am I now that I don't have my job? was something that we couldn't find anything about, which is interesting. The other part is, from a world perspective, how do we find our place in the world? There's one world that relates to our immediate families, and we kind of know what our role is there. It may change when you have more time, like you may be able to take care of children that you couldn't before, or you may be able to fulfill roles that you didn't have time to before. But that's the world in your family, your immediate family. What is your role in the world? And so we've been doing some what we would call new thinking, and Karen can give you some examples of that. Well, I think we concluded after a while that the structures in the world have to change. So, for example, there is no place in many institutions for people like us, by which I mean we really are not interested in becoming interns again. We've really done with that part of our lives. We also have no interest in running organizations anymore. We're also done with that. But most institutions do not have a place for people who are offering skills and experience, who just want to offer that and want to help young people move forward. On a part-time basis. Yes, work on projects and not work 24-7. We shouldn't have to anymore. We've done that, so now we have distilled our experience and our knowledge, and that should be used in smaller doses. And we've also, for example, thought about something which I think is consistent with some of what you are doing. We've thought that it would make sense for the U.S. to have some national program similar to the Peace Corps, but domestic, for retirees. And, for example, all retirees who want to do this to work on education. So some people could be teachers. Some people could build schools. Some people could train kids in tech items. Some people could be school nurses. Everybody has something they can offer to educate young people. And so if you had a national service to do that, we thought that would be very productive and would be for the younger people and would provide purpose and identity for retirees. So it's that kind of thinking we are trying to project so that people start realizing we are, in fact, a new cohort and we should be used. People shouldn't fear that somehow we're going to be these poor old things who are going to be lying destitute and they have to pour all the nation's money into us. We, in fact, can be productive and make the nation strong stronger if we are simply seen as productive and useful. Just to follow up on that for a second, to bring this home. So Karen and I have always been involved in nonprofits, for example. Karen has Youth Represent. I have something called Friends of the Children that deals with high-risk kids and provides mentors to them for 12 and a half years. And we've always done that. But the part of that that's missing is it's very one-off, that you become a part of a community and it's important and the work is invaluable and we know that. But it's not the bringing together of a community to do something intentional with responsibility and accountability and all the things that go along with what we loved about working. 
So if you could identify something where you came together and you built national pride and you actually accomplished something and people could use what they got from all those years in a purposeful way and had a community of people that all wore the same t-shirt, it would be fabulous and not costly. It's just necessary. The singers would teach